Hello, and welcome to By Association, a new podcast from the Illinois Soybean Association. I'm Rachel Peabody. And I'm Betsy Osman. And today we'll be talking to ISA Board Director and Market Development Committee Chairman Scott Gaffner and ISA Trade and Exports Manager Eileen Urish. Earlier this month, Scott, Eileen, and Rachel were joined by ISA board and staff members for a seven-day mission trip to Egypt, where they participated in SEC trainings. They were able to meet Egyptian farmers and see firsthand aquaculture and poultry industry professionals being trained in modern production methods. This group was given the opportunity to gain a better understanding of the poultry demands of Egypt and how aquaculture markets and poultry markets are helping to meet those affordable protein demands. I hope you enjoy listening to our conversation. So Scott and Eileen, I would love to hear from both of you. What surprised you most about Egypt? I think all of us have preconceived ideas of what to expect. And I know this was Eileen's second time there, so she could have a different perspective now. But this as being my first time to Egypt, I think we always hear about the pyramids. We hear about a country that has been around a lot longer than our own country. But we may not be as familiar with the culture, with the people, and just how the country is ran. So I have to tell you, the country was, I was pleasantly surprised by the people within the country, the desire to have a relationship with us, and especially with the Illinois Soybean Association, and the desire to just learn more about how they can integrate soybeans into their companies. And so I was pleasantly surprised by the culture, just of everything about the country, I think has truly changed my perspective on Egypt. And I look forward to the relationship that we're going to continue to have with Egypt. Rachel was sort of filling me in on different conversations you guys had. It sounds almost like our farmers there were like local celebrities, just in the eyes of the people there who have come to have such a hunger for for U.S. soy and um, how this is just such a growing demand that it just, it almost sounds like they were starstruck to meet the soybean farmers who are creating this crop and bringing it to them. Eileen, what about you? Is there something about this trip that maybe surprised you? You have been there before. Yeah, this was obviously my second trip, as you've both alluded to, but both times I've been so impressed by how modern their culture is and how willing they are to adapt and seeing the amount of young women in leadership roles, especially in the agriculture industry, is just so inspiring to me to see that these women, you know, are part of this future role in feeding their population. And it's such a passion of theirs. And I'm just so happy to be a part of that conversation. I love that. Tell me a little bit, um, did you have any trouble communicating? Was there a difficult language barrier? Was that difficult for you? I think that that is also another thing that kind of surprised me was that there really were so many opportunities for us to interact with both the farmers and the stakeholders and buyers alike. There obviously were times where there was a clear communication struggle, and you could definitely see that between the generations. But what is so interesting when you're traveling the world in these situations is we all have so much in common outside of our language. And so there was always ways that we could find to interact with these different farmers and just how excited they were. And you could feel that when they saw us farmers there that were creating this crop that they're using to feed their livestock. It was just such a magical experience in that way of communication. Yeah. And Betsy, I have to also say that this is one of the locations that I've been to, and I've been to multiple locations outside the U.S., but we did not need an interpreter during any part of this trip. And that tells you how serious they are about understanding our language, learning it, and having a relationship with the United States. And so as we're talking to our fellow soybean producers, this country is hungry 
not only for our soybeans, but for what we have to offer them in so many different areas. And I was impressed, not only the young, but some of the older generation also have learned our language and they've sent their, their children to our country to study both our language and um, just the way of doing business. That's amazing. I did not realize that you guys never once had to have an interpreter. I, I agree with you, Scott, that does just sort of speak volumes to their investment in our culture and our language and doing what they want to do to enhance our communication and our collaboration. That's That really is amazing. During this trip, what was your perhaps favorite tourist experience. I'm sure Scott will agree with me on this, but one of the days that I did not have the opportunity the first time I was there, but this time one of the stakeholders took us to their local market. And so there's obviously a wide array of goods there from, you know, more touristy goods, but to where the locals go to buy their everyday needs and essentials and where they gather for their social events and have coffee meetings. And so just to see how locals live and how it appears that their life is so fast paced and there's such a large population, but to really see these people interacting and kind of slowing down was just really cool to be a part of. Yeah, I, I agree. The We always like to, whenever we go to these different areas, we like to not go to the destination locations that when tourists come to there, we want to see the behind the scenes to really see where the local people go. And Eileen is correct. This It was really amazing to see in these markets how they go, how they negotiate, how they do things to obtain the, the items they need to survive, especially the food items. The other things I also really appreciate, and, and you know, when you go to Egypt, you have to see the, the pyramids. I mean, of if you course. go there without seeing the pyramids, you're like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? So oh, just what an amazing thing to see the pyramids, to be able to go to their museum, to see actual mummies in there that have been preserved for all these years. And if you think about it, our country is a very young country. Egypt has thousands upon thousands of years in existence, and they have all that rich history there. And so we were able to experience a lot of that rich history. And, and why is that important? It's important because we need to understand where this country has come from, where it's at currently, and that helps us to understand also where they're going so that we can be cognizant of their culture and what they believe in. Because you know, the pyramids were built in their strong belief in the afterlife. So there's there's a culture there that you need to understand from that. So this is so amazing to be able to see all those things in that sense as well. Absolutely. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about Egypt's current agricultural landscape. I know that what's going on with um, different parts of the world certainly impact um, agriculture everywhere, but specifically Egypt. Where are their opportunities right now? What are their challenges in agriculture right now? Well, a lot of their, their farms are a lot smaller than what we're used to, and even their large farms are small in comparison to what we have. And so I think it's really lucky for us to stand back and see the technologies that we have that we can share with them for them to be become the most sustainable and efficient. And so with that, those farms being so small and being so used to having inputs from other parts of the world makes it really hard for them to have a consistent production cycle. And so I think that right now, especially lots of part of the, the world are experiencing issues with their currency and devaluation of dollars. And so that's not just a problem in Egypt, but because the Egyptian farmers are so reliant on imports of inputs and feeds for their day-to-day, -day, it really is damaging. And so I think there should be a huge conversation right now and how we can be supporting them 
and be staying efficient with using the materials that they have since they are such a large buyer of soybeans for livestock feed and protein. Yeah. And and the thing that we hit it right at the time when the devaluation of their currency was like uh, $1 to their three pounds. And so what that, how that hurts them is whenever they're trying to bring all these soybeans into their country, they're faced with an exorbitant price. And I talked to many owners as we were there during our, our dinners, just about the challenges that they're facing. And that this is one of the challenges that they really face is to be able to afford to bring the products in that they need to bring in, especially soybeans, because they so vitally want the U.S. soybeans. And we know that because of their landscape and their the setting within the rural setting is they don't have the soil. They don't have the ability to grow soybeans like we can grow them. And so they have to be dependent upon us and they know that. And so that relationship that we help reassure them. And the one thing that I think that our farmers need to realize, the thing that sets us apart to make us so important for Egypt is the fact that we are reliable. When they're talking to us about needing a supply in and they say, we need that product in at this time, they know if they get it from the US, they will get that product when it's called for. Other parts of the country, they said it's always a challenge to get it when we need it. And most of the time they don't follow through. And so that's what sets us apart from the other big players within the soybean industry. And so we have to remember that here at home to make sure that we are consistently getting the product to the people who need it. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about what are the different ways that Egypt utilizes soybeans from the U.S.? Well, Egypt has become a huge market for us in the soybean industry. Right now, they are the third largest market. And so with that, a lot of the soybeans are being used for feed and uh, high quality protein sources for both human consumption, poultry, and shrimp processing. And that helps feed their, their large population. And so Scott can probably talk a little bit more about how sophisticated and how truly impressive their crush industry has become to adapt to those requirements. Right. And I think, I think the thing that's really been beneficial, and this is that relationship I know we're going to talk about with USEC and training and educating all of our different buyers to make sure that they get the correct feed rations and they're doing the correct thing. Some of these company leaders that we talk to, though, they are at the forefront of doing this. They actually are ensuring that they have the appropriate feed rations uh, for both their fish, the aquaculture industry, and for their poultry. And one of the poultry personnel that we talk to also, they import some of the genetics from the United States. And so they rely upon us on a lot of different areas. Of course, poultry and fish, you know, are very important for consumption of our soybeans, but very amazed, very encouraged by the way that they are staying on top of technology and they are staying on top of the ways they, they can maximize the profitability and using, you know, soybeans in that ration to the highest ability that they need. So very, very pleased with that. I've been to some countries to where they are on the basic understanding of how to use soybeans within the feed rations. Egypt is not in that area, but they still are looking forward to and utilizing USEX SECs to help educate them and, and using that as a great tool for us. So very, very pleased with what we saw in that area as well. You mentioned uh, human consumption. Speaking of, um, tell us a little bit about your culinary experience over the course of your trip. Um, I always like to go to different countries and consume the items that we don't normally probably consume in the U.S. just to understand, maybe <laughs> expand my uh, culinary experiences for sure. And one of the things that I actually ate that I'd never thought of to be something to eat was pigeons. So it was good. 
they always the the food that they prepared. I, I have to tell you, everything we had was was really well done. I loved all the fresh fish. I loved the shrimp that they had. So what a great what a great uh, culinary experience. I have to tell you that if there's some countries you go to and you leave and you're like, boy, I'm glad to be back in the U.S. Egypt wasn't that way, and I really enjoyed it. I'm curious what you thought, Eileen. Yeah, I mean, I think that something that you hit spot on was just how fresh everything always seemed to be and well prepared. Obviously, the fish, if you're going to go anywhere and eat fish, it's definitely Egypt. Wonderful tilapia, great shrimp, as well as they are the top producer of citrus and many fruits. And so I, every morning, a a fresh glass of orange juice, it's never tasted better. And strawberries, just experiencing those different luxuries, I think was so interesting. But at every meal, it seemed like protein was a huge source uh, on your plate. So it just speaks volumes to how important that is to their culture. Well, I... I would like for both of you to tell me in your own words, what you would have to say is the most rewarding part of your, um, your trade mission to Egypt. It's one of those things where you don't fully know what to expect the first time you're going there. And USEC did an excellent job of preparing and scheduling meetings. They have industry leaders and they have people in these uh, countries already positioned and have relationships with key people that when we come, it really makes it seamless. And so the intentionality of each night whenever we had a supper, it wasn't just a supper. It was actually a meeting that we had with different industry leaders. And we met with so many different industry leaders during that supper time that I would say there's probably at least 30 different top industry leaders, at least that we met with from different companies of the top companies in Egypt. And those relationships we developed with those industry leaders, as well as researchers, as as well as personnel from um, Cairo University, was all very important to that we walked away. I had people inviting me to be part of their LinkedIn and, you know, to continue to connect passes. And I'm sure Eileen had it as well. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that was one of the very important things that we did, but also our visits to the actual locations, whether it was to Scredding, which has animal nutrition, or whether it was to Wadi Group with poultry, or whether it was to World Fish. When we go and visit their actual locations, we show the interest in that. That helps them to have a more of a comfort level too with the product they're providing from us. So those are extremely beneficial that I think our farmers in Illinois are going to see a return on their investment. And that's what they're always interested in, to develop these relationships, to move the soybeans off that pile, and to have this relationship developed. So Eileen, what did you think? Yeah, those relationships are just so important to create. And there's nothing better than having those relationships one-on-one and in person. And I'm so glad we had the opportunity to go there. And I think, you know, you're right. The first time you go to a place, it's really information overload. But the second time I was there, I met some of the same people and I was really able to see how important U.S. soy is for their life. And so to see that we're making a difference in these people's day to day was just so encouraging. And I think that 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 does just say so much to the work that we're doing here, that in collaboration with the Soy Excellence Centers and world fish and scredding. And we've talked about that so much here in this during this session, but really it's just so empowering to know that that's, that work is going towards such good people. Eileen, do you hope that you get to go back again someday? Yes. I mean, Egypt, uh, that part of the world, there is just so much history and it's such a large country. And so there's 
just like the United States is so diverse in our terrain, very similar to Egypt. You have the North and the South, they grow different products. They might have different practices when they're growing aquaculture and poultry due to weather. You know, they're in the desert. So they have different ways of sustainability and their water intake, but also the climate change that is happening between morning and night. You know, the desert gets so cold at night, which you don't even think about. And so to, I think, seeing those different parts of their sector is just so important. And I think you could go back 10 times and not see it all. So of course, yes, there's so much more to see in that region. How about you, Scott? Do you hope to return to Egypt someday? Yeah, Betsy, I think it's not just a hip, it's probably a win. I think the relationships we've developed with them, seeing that they're, they're hunger for more soybeans, it's just a matter of we will be back there. I agree with Eileen on that. When I first came to Egypt, and I actually want to throw in just a little observation too, So when we first arrived in Egypt, uh, our hotel overlooked uh, a major part of the city. And so as you're looking overlooking the city, you get a good understanding of how the city is established. They have their satellites, they have their antennas. So you can tell just a different way that they probably obtain their information. And as we're driving throughout the city, it really, at first, I was like, man, this city is old. It's, you saw buildings crumbling and because they've had a lot of turmoil within their government. And I think right now they have a good government structure that's wanting to make sure that they are building and getting things back in order. The, the part of the city we were in the old Egypt, when we saw these kind of dilapidated buildings, we started going into the new Egypt area and that totally changed my perspective. You can see these new modern buildings. You saw just that they were getting their act together to ensure that they were going to be a progressive city. And that just helps encourage me as we talk about providing a resource to them of soybeans, that just helps encourage me to know that their government and their people are going to be moving forward, and that will increase the consumption level of our soybeans there. So everything we saw, everything we experienced, led us to believe that this is even a continued greater opportunity in the future. So I hope we will be back as well. Well, I appreciate all of that great feedback. I, um, I, I've just been loving, I, I was editing something that Rachel had written just about sort of her travel log and hearing different team members describe sort of their experience. I, I've loved sort of living vicariously through this group of great travelers. I asked, I asked Rachel, I was like, I know this is a weird question, but I have to ask, what does it smell like? And she was yeah. like, you know, it, there's like, like a cinnamon warmth to the yeah. air and earthy and ancient. And I can imagine that. Yeah. It's like almost like incense or in the mm-hmm. air or something, yeah. but you do hear something different in everybody's story, something that meant something particularly meaningful to them or something new that they learned or Even I think sometimes we learn more about ourselves when we are so far from home, experiencing a culture that is so vastly different than our own. And it's been so great to to hear all of these stories and experiences. I think one of the the most interesting aspects of that culture as well, we were always running in probably a bigger bus. So the traffic, we're in a big vehicle in that traffic. And that traffic is organized chaos is probably the best way I can put it. Many times there's not traffic lights at intersections. There's always honking going on. But as close of calls as we had on multiple occasions, it seemed like we were going to hit somebody or we never touched anybody. And traffic would zipper in throughout each other. It it just amazed me how that culture has really adapted. And people, when they walked across the street, there's no walking zones to walk across the street. You almost had to do the frogger thing where you'd run from one car to another to make sure you didn't get hit as you cross the street. Those kind of things as you go to different countries, you just see how different countries, how they collaborate, how they work together. And it was actually, it was somewhat of an organized chaos because no one, we didn't see any crashes. We didn't see anybody get hurt. And it was just interesting to experience that part of this, the culture as well. 
I love that. I don't think I would ever get used to that, <laughs> even if I lived there. <laughs> so I went for a walk myself and Mark Reed, and uh, we had to do the thing of crossing the street, but we did it in an area that wasn't as bad. And I'm like, man, I can do this. I just, I'd be on the edge of my seat every time as I try to step out into that roadway. So it was just amazing. I love it. Well, Scott and Eileen, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Betsy, for making this happen. Thank, yes, you, thank you both. So I really appreciate it. And I've, as I say, said earlier, I really enjoyed hearing, hearing more. I, I learned something new from every person that I ask about this trip. So I appreciate <laughs> it. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of By Association. Thank you to our guests, Scott and Eileen. Please follow along on the Illinois Soybean Association social media pages to stay up to date on everything we're doing to support the 43,000 soybean farmers we have in Illinois. We'll see you next time.